0: Before we begin this podcast, a small reminder that Mr. Howard Hawkins' season review book The Bought's Supremacy is currently available on Kindle and via Amazon in paperback as well. The links are all over our timelines, so please do yourselves a favour, especially with Father's Day coming up, and get yourself a copy of The Bought Supremacy, Howard's season review, and a book about a year and a season at home in a pandemic. Now, on to the show.
1: Hi, everyone. My name's Steve Tudor, and welcome to The Friday Show. It's for sure not a big fan of Gareth Southgate's collared knit bring back the M&S waistcoat, we say. On today's show, we are of course looking forward to tonight's Battle of Britain with Scotland taking on their old enemy at Wembley. Can they win there for only the second time since 1981? Will the fixture once again offer up something spectacular? To discuss all this and much more, I'm delighted to be joined today by two lions in Leon and Harry.
0: Hi Leon, you well pal? Morning Steve, yeah, very well thank you.
1: Excited for the game. Well, yeah, we're going to get into it shortly, but um, you going tonight, man. i will just found that out. That's, that's well exciting. Are you actually, before we get into it um, later, are you excited about going tonight?
0: I am. I was just saying fair, There's a bit of admin involved in going to a game these days, but I haven't yeah. been to a football match since, because obviously I missed Porto, which we don't talk about. No. No. Um, <laughs> I haven't been to a game since the Carabao Cup final at the end of February. I think it was March the 1st last year. Yeah. So, it's, um, so I'm excited to go back to a live game for sure, yeah. Nice job, And we're also joined
1: by Harry. Are you looking forward to tonight's game,
2: Yeah, absolutely buzzing because this is sort of the first time we've played Scotland in a in a major tournament where I've been alive, so it's going to be a <laughs> I knew. it's going to be an exciting one, definitely. Wow!
1: Hold on! Wow! I know, Leo. It took him less Jesus. than a minute. <laughs> I was thinking, how long is it going to take for Harry to bring up how young he is compared to us No, you know, it's
2: it's seeing all this stuff about ninety six this week, and it's just like it makes me really. If anything, it makes me really jealous of you lot that you've been able to see <laughs> all that. I you know the the England that I've grew up with. It has been utter rubbish. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. But to balance it out, we're going to die a lot quicker sooner than you will. So you know what I
1: mean. It's, <laughs> All right,
0: Steve, swing, swing <laughs> around roundabouts <laughs> <balance>, in <isn't> it. <laughs> Not anymore, Steve. You've quit, you've quit smoking and uh, drinking. That's true. I've got a
1: new man now. I've got a fighting chance. Right, let's get into it. Um, actually, we'll begin by looking back um because it is relevant to tonight's game. Um, England v Croatia. Obviously, it's been discussed on other pods, so we'll just kind of whiz over this but Leon were you surprised at the selection of Trippier at left back and Sterling started and do you believe that both these choices kind of worked out well for England
0: yeah I mean they did I was more than surprised that we've got two left backs who've come off the back of amazing seasons yeah and he picks a right back but you know Trippier's had a great season as well so I was shocked by that. Um, but he did play well. And I think I, I listened to Southgate the other night and said that Tripper is stronger defensively. Now, yeah. feels slightly odd that it's on the wrong side, but I suppose if that's his kind of... that's his uh, point of view, then fair enough. And it did work. In terms of Sterling, again, we're not talking about Porto, but I was very surprised by that inclusion. But I wasn't surprised really because Southgate is pretty loyal, some of his favourites, and Sterling's always been there or thereabouts. And in the end, you know, he missed a a sit a sitter and he took the goal well, but it almost wasn't. But I think and I've said before to many England fans over the years and many City fan friends of mine that Sterling does make mistakes, but ultimately he creates so much against so many good positions that you know you want him playing yeah, yeah. so i think i think and it, and it proved right we played well we were pretty balanced i think there are other players which we'll go on to later maybe who really did a great job but i think in terms of his his choice i'd like to have seen Greenwich, but he made the right choice with what we've won and you can't really knock southgate really once you're winning
1: yeah, I, I could see the logic of Trippier, but at the same time, I disagreed with the logic, if that makes sense. You know, I thought, okay, he wants a bit of experience in there. Someone who, kind of being a, a right footer on the left, is going to kind of tuck inside a lot and and basically offer support for Mings and, and Stones. But yeah, it was a real shock to me, but it worked out well. And, and another kind of, not a surprise inclusion, but someone who people weren't sure if he starting or not was Calvin Phillips. Harry, I mean, he
2: looked the business, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, his selection... I must admit didn't fill me with much hope um but his sort of dynamism in midfield perfectly complemented Rice in that game yeah much i think he played the role i think everyone thought Jordan Henderson might have played for england um but i was i was actually just really impressed i mean i think some people are too scared to give southgate and england credit they deserve at times for anything yeah. they're, they're a bit too scared um but he made the tough decisions, but the, the necessary decisions that no one wanted to see. Like you just said, not playing Jack Grealish, including Sterling and and including Trippier and not playing one of Shaw or Chilwell. We beat an okay aging team, but only three years ago were World Cup finalists and they beat us in the semi-final. So they have that sort of psychological advantage over us. It's, it's, a, it's a brilliant start. And after, you know, this team has sort of had months of expectation of him, but Phillips, you know, quite clearly man of the match. Um, And I think we've got Marco Bielsa to, to thank for the hours and hours of murder ball.
1: Yeah. Well, Why is that, Harry? Why, does, why are people so reluctant to give credit to Southgate? Why does he oh. still have
2: this kind of reputation for being yeah. like... Yeah, he's not flashy, is he? He's not your flashy manager. <laughs> he's exactly that. You know I mean? If he was Enio, he might get a bit of credit. But I don't know. It's I think it probably goes back to the fact that he... He has his trusted personnel, and when he sticks with him, I think he gets a a bit of unfair stick. Um, Yeah, especially with Sterling. I mean, look, Sterling is a strange one coming from like a Manchester City fan. But can any of you in your sort of heart of hearts say he deserved to start based on his performances at club level? I have to be honest, probably not. Yeah, probably not. But his his goal involvements for England over the past two years have been extraordinary. I think they've. Pretty much matched Harry Kane's. Um, and, he's, and he's good at virtually everything. You know, his movement and his timing of his runs, he's world class. But when he has too much time to think about what to do with his finishing, mm. he panics. And it probably helped him that he he had one second to think about that goal, to be honest. Um, and it took the full second, to be fair to him, didn't
1: he? That was, <laughs> Yeah. It, it, it kind it of reminded me of, um, remember Michael Thomas's last minute winner against Liverpool at Anfield,
2: where he really <laughs> took every bit of time he had available. <laughs> He, he, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, of course, look, there still is a bit of scepticism about Southgate amongst England fans, which which I don't get personally because he's done so well in so little time. And you saw it after the, you know, when we got knocked out of the World Cup, everyone was fully on board the Southgate train. But as soon as we were knocked out by Croatia, it was like, well you know, we've only beat Colombia, and we've only beat Sweden and we've only got through the group state, but it's like, lads, we've, we've never done that before. And we got knocked out about Iceland in the last major tournament. Mm. So he's, and I just think, I know we've we'll probably got to come on to talk about Southgate, but everything he stands for as a person and he backs up everything he says. And this team is just, it feels different. It feels like such a much more likable team just for what they stand for. Um, no matter, you know, the ability on the pitch, the, you know they they faced a lot of adversity, especially in the last couple of weeks, and they have still stood by what they believe in, and that's very admirable. I think.
1: Yeah, agree. Um, do you agree, Leon? Where, where do you stand, or where do you fall on Gareth Southgate?
0: No, yeah, and I think I th- I watched ITV the other night, and they had Roy Keane on, and they I think they brought Southgate on for an interview, and I think you can, as a, as a British public, you notice it and how we treat the pundits that we love or hate. And Southgate was a pundit for quite a while on ITV. I think it was mm. the Adrian Charles days. Mm. Yeah. Um, and he speaks sense. He's likeable. He was a decent centre-back. But no one gets blown away by him as a pundit or as a guy. He's just a safe sort of pair of hands. And I think in this country, that's not sexy. And therefore, yeah. Yeah. he's never had that sort of backing. I think mm. he was a little bit safe in the last World Cup. The, the, the uncreative players that have come through in the last three years weren't there, but I still felt he played it over safe. It's my only criticism of him. But I think in the years we had Roy Hodgson, which was a, 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 not a great appointment. Uh, I think I was surprised because he hadn't done that much in his managerial career. Mm. And Middlesbrough, he got to a cup final, didn't he? Um, but I was surprised. But actually, with hindsight, I think... He's a great pick and I think he's, as Harry said, he's like exactly what this country needs. He's thoughtful, he's um, got a lot of empathy and he treats the players and a lot of the issues you've had to deal with in this country over the last 18 months, particularly when yes. it comes to racism and pandemics and sexism and all these things. I think he's probably the best man of the job you could have. He is that captain, leader, centre-back not particularly charismatic, but a really decent man to have in charge of your national football team. Yeah.
2: And no, no manager is without flaws, though, aren't they? You know, I know we've said we won't mention it, but you know, Pep Guardiola had his flaws in the Champions League final. Um, just like Southgate has his flaws in in other games. Is um, I don't know. He's, I just felt like at the time it was the right appointment purely for the fact that we've got this exciting young talent coming through and he's worked with him at under 21s level he's had he's three of four now major tournaments so he's got that tournament experience um so he's, he's he's worked in the England setup for so long that he's he didn't need to come in and settle in he, he kind of felt at home straight away as well um and I just think up till now he's he's not done much wrong there's been obviously in points in the games I think I think you're right about the semi-final there was times in the game where you could see You can see, sorry, England needed a a substitution or just needed to switch things up. And I'm sure there will be parts in this tournament when we come against tougher teams where England will have tougher spells, but purely because other teams have better quality, maybe in attacking areas compared to our defence. But from what he took over, the mess that was left after what happened with with Big Sam and where we are now, you know, I've never seen so many people so on board with, especially in my lifetime, on board with the England national team felt like especially after euro 2016 there was a lot of love lost for the england team he didn't feel like any of them cared you know the manager had just been sacked we'd been knocked out by country where i'm pretty sure at the time people between the ages of 18 and 21 had a 70 chance of featuring that day in their country <laughs> um so for what he's done in a relatively short amount of time with with you know a, a young squad is is really good and why not feel positive what's the point in being all doom and gloom about about England all the time what is the point just we've got good players we've got a good core squad we've got a good mix of uh, experience and, and youth and Southgate so far has managed that brilliantly and you know we can only judge him on, on performances and you know if we go on another really good run in this tournament you know you can tell he's really I just think he's I just, think he's, I just think he's the right man at this time and definitely was the right man to take over from the mess that England had
1: after Euro 2016. Well, you set me up perfectly there for the kind of follow-on question, really, which is there is a likelihood or a possibility of England going deep in this tournament. And what particularly impressed me, I think, is how they controlled the midfield against the mm, Croatians. Yeah. Um, you saw Modric further and further going back throughout the game, just trying to find some space. Um, with all that in mind, Leon... Can can England go far in this tournament and, and how do you kind of anticipate them doing?
0: A bit like in the last World Cup, I think a lot depends, sadly, because you just want to win every game and not concentrate on the different permutations of groups and who you play there and who you play there. But if you remember three years ago, we had a really tough group, If we a tough next round if we won the group. Yeah. So then we lost to Belgium, didn't we? In Australia, the group. Yeah. yeah. And it meant we had an easier path. Now, I think the same can be said this time that if we win the group, we have to face Portugal
1: or Germany by the locks, Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I don't like to think like that. So it's very hard to predict how far we go because yeah, you have to beat everyone's everything in front of you. The old cliche, but I don't know how it's gonna. gonna... Oh, there's a big echo there. That's all right. Um, I don't know how it's gonna go in terms of the other groups. So you know, we've got a chance along with six other teams of winning this tournament. We've got the best, Mm. although inexperienced, not played together much, but the best exciting squad we've had for a long, long time. And I think back in the day, the Golden Generation, they were kind of scarred for for other england issues this team aren't they've played together for a long time and there's exciting players so i feel we could win it but unfortunately and it spoils the kind of the way i'm talking is it depends exactly who we have to face next because i don't think in the next couple of games we we're strong enough to beat france or possibly portugal Germany, I, I do fancy ourselves against. Actually,
1: why is that, Leon? Is that kind of because we need to build up a bit of momentum, or we need to bring in people like Henderson and Maguire back for a bit of experience? Or why do you think we're ready yet?
0: Yeah, I think I think that I think you know we've seen Italians flying, mm. but we've never seen. I haven't seen a winner of a tournament for quite a while who's smashed it from the beginning. Mm. You know, remember Argentina and Brazil do well in, in the group games, and they've. sort of fast to deceive lately I don't think, I think it is a build up of momentum, you don't probably find your best team until the quarterfinals. used to be straight after the group games, but you don't find your best team until sort of three or four games in Mm. and I just don't fancy, after watching France the other night, I don't fancy playing them too early in this tournament I think Um, it all depends on, I think I was just going to say, I
2: don't know how you two feel but when we've gone into previous tournaments, there's been a sort of hope of the team doing well. I feel like there's more of an expectation of this team to do well and progress further than we have done. Um, I, all I would say is that the game against Croatia the other day, like you just said, Steve, we managed it superbly. We we got the goal. Of course, we could have, we created more chances. We should probably should have scored more than one goal, you know, folding shots an inch to the right and it, it goes in the, the bottom corner. Um, and then when we got the goal we managed it superbly Southgate made the right decision so ultimately and it's why I don't like answering these sort of questions on how far England are going to do mm. we're not going to know until how Southgate manages it on the night because tournament football is so completely unique you can sense I think with domestic football that um, one team's going to do well from the, the outset like when City went on that 21 game winning run you were like well yeah City are obviously going to start the league here but Pep always says knockout competitions 90 minutes you know if Hugo Lloris makes one mistake and England score and can manage the game well I just don't think you can tell how far England are going to do how how well England are going to do until they turn up on a night against one of these big teams and and beat them because Uh, and you're right
0: obviously we're scarred since Spain 82 since Spain 82 I've thought we're going to win every tournament so (laughs) what's happened is we've been scarred by the past and uh and the expectations of levels have been so lowered that um, we should actually embrace what's happening here, but you still don't like to to call it. It's a very tricky. Mm, yeah, I just think we've and got And it's just Steve, Ports Wales, who
2: yeah, well,
1: conceivably could win it. Absolutely. Well, you've got to get past us first, but you don't you don't want to be playing the best teams you know too early in the tournament. Like you said, Leon, you don't want to be playing your your, your Frances and your Waleses just yet. <laughs> What about um, kind of rumours that Southgate's going to shuffle his pack for this one? Um, this kind of feeds into a question further down the line, which is, you know, will this be a battle of Britain? I think people are starting to to think, oh well, these are players who are very familiar with each other. Um, second game, got three points on the board. This is a time for Southgate to maybe bring Greenish in. Um, sure, left back. Would you go along with that, Harry?
2: Um, yeah, I I was a bit I was a bit mare on Trippier. I can't lie. I can't understand why he was brought in, and it was probably the right decision at the time. But looking at the game from what I remember of the game, I must um I don't understand what Trippier brought that Shaw or Tri- Chilwell wouldn't have brought to the game. I don't know if that's me being completely cynical. Um, so I would like to see one of Shaw or Chilwell. I'm not bothered either way, um, and it depends obviously on, on on Scotland's setup as well, but. I would like to see Jack Grealish in there because if Scotland are going to play deep, it's going to rely on players who are good in tight areas. And I think Foden and probably Grealish are the two are best in them sort of areas. So I would like to see Grealish in. But then, of course, that probably does sacrifice Foden because Sterling is Southgate's favourite person. Now, and I read this morning about, pretty sure it was, it looks like he's bringing in Rhys James right. and and Jack Grealish in for Foden and Kyle Walker. That's that's what I read this morning. Uh, I don't know how true that is, but I just think in the in the sort of tight areas, especially if Scotland are going to pack the defence, Grealish is going to be perfect for that. Um, and we've just got to keep the intensity up. Just keep 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 Scotland working. Um, and just the fact, not wholesale changes. I would never want to see wholesale ch- wholesale changes unless we're you know we're already through. Yeah. But just keep the squad hungry. You know what I mean? You know if Foden or Sterling doesn't feature today. They know that, you know, their spot's not guaranteed, so it just keeps the players hungry. Grealish will be gagging to go today. Um, yeah, it's just about keeping everyone motivated and everyone, you know, hungry to, to get a spot. Um, and also, just sort of changed it up ever so slightly, so Scotland don't know what's coming. And, you know, I just think that Southgate might be managing this tournament on a game-by-game basis. I and an extra year to think about these three teams in the group as well. Mm. Um, So I just think he could be adapting slightly the team to suit what he thinks will be best against Scotland. Imagine if Pep had an entire year
1: to think about a.
2: Big oh game. my God! Can we? You know what? I've I've wanted, I've wanted to forget about this now. You know we've we've got a month without Pep. Can we just leave it there? Yeah,
1: but that, that really tickles me. The no thought of him having an entire twelve months to think about a single game and just the
2: different permutations and the different you know team selections he would choose in that time frame. Um, I know my mate. My mate turned to me when he heard Trippier at left back, and it's like he's done a Pep, and I went, "Oh, yeah, stop reminding me."
1: <laughs> um, Leon, we've already touched on kind of Henderson and Maguire. There's talk of Maguire coming back for this. Possibly too soon for Henderson might come off off a bench. How important is experience in this tournament kind of when you kind of counterbalance that with the energy of, of Phillips, for example, and the fearlessness of Phil Foden?
0: Well, I mean, Maguire had a decent World Cup three years ago, but aside from that I wouldn't say he was particularly experienced at international level that's fair point um, I, I, I'd like to see him playing he had a mixed season for United it has to be said but I, I, he's, he's decent especially in corners as well he's good to have in there but Tyron Mink surprised me and had a really good game Jordan Henderson and it's not the anti-Liverpool bias but I've never been a huge fan he operates well he's tidy and he passes the ball sideways a lot and he, he's decent, but I don't think we need him back in the team at any point, really. For me, right? I think I'd like to see Jude Bellingham play, or if not, and Kevin Phillips has has done the business. And I, you know, you tinker in a few positions on the wing or up front, um, and possibly at the backs, But I want him to build a, a sort of momentum and a, and a backbone of the team and keep it going, really, rather than hold too many changes. And Henderson, he's the only kind of elder statesman in the side and a bit like what Roy Keane said. I mean, he wasn't fit. What does he do? Party tricks and (laughs) organises the disco. You know what I mean? It's like I I am a little bit biased, I have to admit it, but I've never really rated him. So for me, um, I wasn't... um, I'm not bothered whether he comes into it, experience or whatever. I, you know, he's not experienced particularly for England in big tournaments that we've succeeded in anyway.
1: Yeah, if we can kind of, I don't know, invent some kind of thing where one of the players has Henderson on like some kind of walkie-talkie that he can carry around the game with him, um, each player, you know, like on their wrist maybe. just a little. That'd be great. I mean, his mouth is his best <laughs> asset, isn't it, Jordan Henderson? The way he organises everyone, keeps yeah. things going, you know, makes make sure players don't kind of lose focus. All of that, I would put him 10 out of 10. But as regards to his footballing ability, um, there are a few better than him, but there are a few better than him. So... And and they are actually in this England squad as well. So mm. yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um I, I wouldn't overly be concerned if Henson started at any point and then kind of um replaced Phillips. I think it's almost inevitable, sadly. Uh which, what how would you see things
2: end in midfield, Harry? Um would you say already Bellingham's a better player than than Henderson is that what you you, you think I I, I
1: believe so well Mm. only on what I've seen and I've got to put my hands up and say I've seen him five times in total Duke Bellingham so I'm not saying he's a better (laughs) player than Jordan Henson I'm saying that he basically if you start Bellingham over Henson you've got a greater Mm. um, greater skill set there already Mm. and and he's going to grow and grow and, and
2: that's my personal opinion but yeah what what I would say is I just speaking to Liverpool fans this season and I obviously I didn't watch Liverpool as much. They say that when when Henderson was gone, their midfield was just completely like non-existent yeah. without him in there. So he is vitally important, and I think it's vital that Southgate gets a mix of experience, and youth in there, um, and I think that's what he got perfectly against Croatia. So, if there is going to be changes where there's going to be youth maybe on the flanks, you know, if Walker's dropping out because he's, you know, one of your more experienced players, yeah, um, and you're going to have more youth on the pitch, I just think there is a place for Henderson there. Maybe not in the biggest games, but I just do think there is a place there for him. Um, I agree. I agree. I'm not the biggest fan of his ability, I must admit, but I think he is tighter, but his leadership skills are vitally important for. Southgate I feel and that's why I think he will play an important part of this I, 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 I think you always do need a player who is basically the
1: manager's kind of mouthpiece on the pitch Yeah, uh, and at City we've got Gundo. Um I'm
0: and, feeling guilty now thanks Harry no I, you're no, right, you're I, right. I, I'm just, I, I'm he just wouldn't, being contrary no I think it's true he wouldn't weaken. Uh, to be fair to him he wouldn't particularly weaken the side I just like when it's all fresh yeah. and there's no kind of if you're going for youth then just be brave, I also think Jude
2: it. Bellingham's going to be there for ages, isn't he? Like, he's going to be here when for t- uh, the next four, five, six, seven, eight tournaments, isn't he?
0: Yeah, and we don't know
1: how fit Hanson is either. So, you know, he could be kind of match fit, as in he could be past fit to play. But in terms mm-hmm. of kind of game time, um, what is it? It's kind of like 40 minutes since January, whatever it is, you know? So we just don't know how impactful he could be. So there is that to consider. Um, let's turn our attention to Scotland they can't afford to lose this. I know we could still qualify, but it would be a touch far fetched. They need everything to fall into place. So they really can't afford to lose it. What's their best strategy, Leon, to spring a surprise? Will, will they basically just sit back and look to grab something at, at a set piece?
0: I that's what they can do, really. I, I, I was quite impressed with them against every, my friend who's told me at the minute. He's half Scottish and he thought they were terrible uh, the other day. But actually, apart from finishing, yeah. I thought they played really well. And I thought um Robertson, you know, showed that he's purely world class, you know, he had a brilliant game. So I think, you know, they're not a bad side, but they just haven't got a sort of world class or even half decent striker. Yeah. And that's the problem. I think the Southampton guy's coming in today, isn't he? Uh, what's his name? Jay Adams. Yeah, who's decent. Who's decent. Not prolific though. No, not prolific. So I think they will cause us problems, particularly with Robertson. I'm surprised that Carl Walker won't play, but I, I suppose Rhys James put, has put a few of our players in their pocket in, in his pocket. Well, the exactly. Games, yeah, so I'm yeah. sure he <laughs> he may be able to take on Robertson, but you know I'm not particularly confident about this game because I'm not really into the old battle of Britain and all that kind of thing. But I just think Scotland. Have caused us problems for a few years. We usually come out with a win, but I don't think it will be, you know, a thrashing. And, and, I, and I'm kind of worried. I think McTominay in the middle will cause a few problems, and they just we're just lucky they haven't got a striker for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mentioned set pieces. there. I think McTominay is a great shout to, you know, to to be a threat from those set pieces. Got the height there; he gets in there, and um, Robertson. I did a preview this week and I, it was hard to make sense of what, what I wanted to put across, but he's only had two assists in 46 appearances for Scotland. And yet, mm. he's, and, and then I basically said he has merely been their best player for most of those games. So, in terms of it, like his end product, if you like, what he kind of gives Scotland, it's not a great deal, but he's always involved, he's always their best player. Um, yeah. I mean, oh, there was no one
0: to finish them, Steve.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, John McGinn, it should be said, has got an incredible score. 10 in 19, John yeah, McGinn. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, 3 in 37 for Villa, and yet 10 in 19. Wow. But you can't expect him to carry that, and that's unsustainable. And also, you would yeah. expect McGinn to be tied up in the field for this one.
0: And, and Tierney's it, back as well, because is Yes. Yeah, I was just big, about to say Tierney, yes, yeah. 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 Uh, It'd be
2: interesting because they're they're important. That's important for Scotland that combination. I think Tierney plays as sort of the left centre back, Dunty and Robertson as the left wing back, and they combine really well. gives Robertson a bit more freedom to to bomb forward and and create more opportunities. And especially if, like you just said, if you've got if you've got Che Adams in there, um, it could be relying on pace on the counter. Um, England will want to use I think a bit of speed to their advantage as well. As much as I I, I completely agree. I think Scotland played pretty well in parts against the Czech of course there was one wonder goal and then, hmm. uh, and, then a, and then, a great header as well but they kept losing the ball in midfield and especially quite high in midfield so that you know every time the Czechs were countering and if there was a bit more quality I think Czech could have scored a, a couple more so if, if England can rely on the pace of let's say Sterling and the, the ability of of Kane to play make from deep and, and Grealish and just getting the full backs like Rhys James bombing forward I think there could be more problems for Scotland than you think but that is, if they play like they played against the Czechs, I think they could sit a lot more deeper.
1: What well, one thing that, that won't happen, and I've touched on this, you've touched on this, Leon, um, both of us in a disparaging way, because it deserves to be kind of dis- disparaged, is this whole kind of Battle of Britain thing. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. before the straight after the Czech game, I saw the three pundits for Scotland. Um, I can't recall who they are now, but it was. Uh, no but there's three pundits for Scotland and all three said yeah well Scotland are going to be bang up for this they're going to be in England's face It's oh, going to, they're going to be rolling up their sleeves it's going to be a proper physical you know like, we don't have it's, this isn't the muddy fields of the 1980s anymore yeah. and if any of these Scotland players do act like that they'll be sent off after 10 minutes in today's climate yeah. so
0: and there's no battle. They hate us. We're apathetic about them. <laughs> there's, no, there's no battle there. So, to, to be clear,
1: Leon said that. Just in, in case anyone's at home thinking, it yeah. wasn't, he said that that was Leon?
2: <laughs> yeah, so go for him on Twitter, please. I don't want yes. anyone in my mentions.
0: That was not me. <laughs> no, I, I think we're apathetic. I've got no issue with Scotland at all. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a battle for me, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm fond of Wales and I've got no issue with Scotland, but I'm just... For all the Scotsmen I know and work with, especially in the media business, there's a lot of very talented... I'm tracking back now. (laughs) You are, you really are. (laughs) But, But they do hate us that's all
1: I'm saying yeah, do. yeah they do, I do. I do. <laughs> that's I mean, all it's, I'm saying there's a lot of Welsh out there who aren't your biggest fans either but I'm, I'm not one of them I'm, I'm kind of right there on the border so kind of physically and kind of metaphorically <laughs> I'm right on the border <laughs> <laughs> um, but no I think it's a good point well made because we, Scotland can't go into this with that mentality and I don't think they will and I think what we'll see yeah. is essentially a game of chess played out on, on a lush green turf and just like every other kind of game in a, in a modern environment so Um, in which case that obviously lends a lot of kind of credence to an England win because simply because they have the better players but you never know on a day Um, on that note Leon how how do you see the game playing out?
0: That is a tough question Um, I think you made the point that their best chances are set pieces Um, but I can see us getting a first half goal in about 25 minutes mm. and then possibly a bit of a stalemate after that and then perhaps nicking one or two goals towards the end. Uh, that's the way I hope it plays out. Mm. Uh, in terms of understanding, it much depends on what what Team Southgate plays. Obviously, it's pissing with rain in London and everywhere today. So I think it will be an exciting game because the, the ball will be fizzing about big sliding tackles like the Battle of Britain we've talked about <laughs> <laughs> and I think yeah I mean it's an international game second game in the, quali- in the qualifying group is a real tough call um, in 96 before Harry was born we know uh, in 96 you know it was a real twitchy game I mean we got the early goal didn't we with um, Shearer yeah and then it was twitchy I'm not sure, how would we perceive the Scottish side back in '96? Have so they got a better side now? I they?
1: was thinking the same thing yesterday. I think the one in '96 was better. They they had the they had Drury, they had, they had genuine strikers. Of Colin Hendry as well, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Couldn't
2: score from 12 yards though, could they? <laughs> no,
0: and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> to repeat, <laughs> Harry said that.
1: <laughs> Harry said that.
0: <laughs> the ball did move though, that, that, that's very well known now. <laughs> but I do think that you know, that, I remember that game, and I know it's later on in the agenda, but I remember that game really well. And we were poor. Mm. We were poor, and they gave us a really good uh, run for our money. And it was only that penalty miss and then that bit of genius from Gaza um, that kind of saved us. But well, that was what was um, a very tight game? What happened with Gaza?
2: <laughs> I don't know it's not like it's been replayed seven yeah, times yeah, yeah. I think,
1: uh, as a Welshman I, I think you guys really underplay that goal anyway <laughs> sorry it's bringing out the worst in me now that is at Steve Tudor on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> um, Harry what about yourself how do you see the game play now. out
2: uh, very much the same I think it's going to be it's going to be a tight one um, uh, like I said before I think you're going to rely on the likes of, uh, of Grealish to to unlock like a sort of defence um, that's going to be sat back but I can see England winning this uh, I'd say I'd say 2-0 um, yeah. I think they've just got too much quality for Scotland if I'm being completely honest um, I, I could be completely wrong here but the, the quality that England got and Kane's yet to click into gear so he's due a, a goal or two um. Yeah, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't convinced with Scotland wholeheartedly defensively against against the Czechs. So I think England could have a. It could be one of them where I know a lot of people are saying this, it could be one where England have a field day. If I'm being completely honest, mm. um, but I, I'll be a bit more reserved and go with two nil.
1: Well, Leon's alluded to three 0 and I'm really not sure between two nil or three 0 So I'm gonna say two and a half nil. So it's um it's all in that kind of you know spectrum really i mean i would be delighted if it was a really close game and loads of goals for both sides to be honest i've got no i've got no dog in this fight you know i just want a really good game and it was certainly a good game 25 years ago um it's kind of crazy how this kind of mirrors this week what happened so it was 25 years ago this week it was the same two teams at the same venue at exactly the same stage of the same tournament um so I guess it's not surprising we've seen a lot of Gaz's goals. Um Leon, that was also the day of the IRA bombing in Manchester. Um what do you remember of that day of the game?
0: Yeah, I just left Manchester University actually at that point, and right. I remember I was at my friend friend's house in a place called Rushton between Bedford and Northampton, so not very rock and roll. Right. At my mate's house. And we used to watch the Five Nations at the time together. And I remember being outside going for a wee in England scored a try a year before. So I wasn't allowed to go back in the room because we scored (laughs) when we did. And the same thing happened at at that England-Scotland game, but it wasn't me, thankfully. So I saw the whole game. But I just remember, I don't like to, I'm 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 sorry I don't like to, I'm very nostalgic. And that 96 summer was probably one of the greatest summers of my life. it was. Because it it it, it was hot, there were the Euros, It was Oasis at Nebworth. It was, I'd just left university and and got a start of my career. Yeah, life was, life was pretty amazing. And we had to do another podcast we did called High Anxiety where the world changed from that summer onwards. Mm. You know, the Spice Girls came, reality TV, and then obviously (laughs) smartphones, social media, and it was never the same. Now that is a typical middle-aged old man it's Talking. a good point, mate. Yeah. I, I, I heard Noel
1: Gallagher saying the same thing about Nebworth. That you don't see a single mobile phone. Um, or, you know, yeah. like no one's taking. Everyone was actually in the moment. And
0: I mean, he was one is, of my heroes, but I never would have. He's such a grumpy old git. Oh, God. Oh, horrid now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's such a shame, actually, that. But no, so. But in terms of the world moving on, it, it was a moment, and Euro 96 was part of that moment, and, and I'll never forget it. I mean, what I didn't realise, I had to go back. Obviously, it's a 32 team tournament now. But we only we only played five games. Mm. It it felt like um, such a sort of long summer. But yeah, it was only five games we played, and uh, no, it was after Italia ninety. It, it, you know, it was it was what we needed. We'd had a terrible time under Graham Taylor. We didn't qualify for the ninety four World Cup, and the ninety two European Championships were as bad as the eighty eight European Championships. Oh God, and. Um, so yeah, it, it was a it was a brilliant tonic at the time, and um, and it hasn't been the same since. Obviously, I'm an old guy now, and the world has changed. But I just hope that sounds really old now. But the younger generation enjoy it as much as we did then, because they don't they don't know any better about how simple life was back then. <laughs> so you no, know, they're happy. So it's not like yeah. we looking back and oh, you all these worries you know we, we didn't have. But no. I just want the the younger generation to get behind the England side because they don't, generally. Mm-hmm. You know, people are massively about their club and and obviously because of England and all the politics and stuff we certainly get into, they don't feel national pride and I can understand that as well, by the way. So it would be nice if this tournament captured a bit of Euro 96 and uh, and really sort of enjoyed it and got by the team. You know, obviously Harry sounds like he does anyway, but... I've just seen it in the youth that I know and I work with. A lot of them aren't bothered uh, about the England side still, unfortunately.
1: I think a, a big thing, and you know, we can only talk from a, a city perspective here. But a, a big thing is was Gaza, and the comparison obviously is being made these days with Phil Foden, as unfair as that may be. Um, but you've got Foden, you've got Man for Chelsea, you've got Grealish for Villa fans. So you've got like you know the kids who are predominantly following their club now, will be following these players. And if Phil Foden goes on to have a Gaza-like tournament, my God, that's just going to be... It's yeah. exceptional, isn't it? Um, Harry, I know this is a very awkward question, and it's going to be a very awkward answer, presumably, but can Phil Foden go on to kind of do Gaza-like
2: things for England? Yeah, absolutely he can. Um, things. Things, yeah. i I just... Is it, again, yeah. It's a hard question to ask because he hasn't he hasn't done anything yet for for country. And considering what was that his, was the game the other day like his fourth cap for England or something. It must have been like his third or fourth cap. I think he's always only played two friendlies. Yeah, game um, against Iceland wasn't it? Where he scored twice. I think but, that was his. Yeah, but but that's all it took. He's in the starting eleven. You know what I mean? He's he's got this something different. And I mean they they did a. Like we've just been joking, they've been doing England Scotland previews on ITV and BBC all week in between games that are not even involving in any of your two teams. But there was one where they were showing, you know, the players uh, that game and saying, oh, who, who you reckon could recreate that? Trippier straight away was Phil, Phil Alderby, yes. it. Yes. Yeah. And, and the same with, and a few of them said Grealish as well. So there is these sort of flair players that you can imagine having them sort of moments for England. Um, And Phil is definitely one because I just—I've said it once and I'll say it again. I just think Phil Foden can do whatever he wants to do in football. He's got all the the natural ability, and you know we've we've seen through how patient he's been coming into the City team that he's got all the hard work to go with that. Um, Obviously, Gaza was a bit of an icon. If Phil can match him purely on the pitch and not off it, (laughs) that'd that'd be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah. he can, because he's got all the ability to, and I'm pretty sure everyone would say the same. I'm sure you would would say the same too.
1: I, I would. I, I think it wouldn't faze him, to be honest. I don't like to put these things onto young players from my own perspective. But as regards to Phil yeah. Foden... Um, I think he he, he he accepts it all, doesn't he? he? He's kind of you know when he dyed his hair, people say, "Oh, you, you're trying to be Gaza." No, not really. It was another reason, but yeah, I'll, I'll Sergio. <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and, yeah exactly.
1: he essentially said in his answer, "Okay, well, it was because of Sergio." But yeah, if you want me to try and be Gaza, I'll do my
2: best this summer. He's just not phased by it, which is a brilliant attitude to have. Um, yeah, it's important not to get ahead of ourselves as well with him because I know what we we talked about the English press before and their ability to just completely well tear someone so you've got to remember that the guy is 21 years old he's going to have like said about Bellingham he's going to have six seven eight tournaments with England yeah just let's not expect the world from him in this tournament he's an important player for England and I've no doubt he could be the player who scores the winning goal in a
0: European final But he can stretch better than Gazza anyway
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just don't put too much pressure on him.
1: That's all I ask. It's a key point because we're three city fans talking on a Man City podcast. It's yeah. very different from the Sun, the Mirror, the Star, of course, yeah. um, because you know we've seen Phil, we've seen what he can do at close quarters. Uh, we know that in our hearts what he can do and just how good he is. But we also, you know, we're saying it. We're coming at it from a very different angle. Um, so yeah, that is a key point I think. Okay, well, just staying with ninety six, just quickly, um, that that incident there where it just kind of brushed off Gazza's studs. I mean, I was a, a Welshman, I was in bits at that. That was unbelievable. And um, how much, how familiar are you with it all Harry? And, uh, aside from the Gazza goal,
2: kind of, um, um, what about that summer as well and how much it meant to people around at the time? All I've seen is like documentaries and stuff on it, and yeah. and stories that I've heard. I think it's just completely echoing everything Leon said a, a lot of people I've heard have just said it was just the most incredible summer yeah. um, and it was the was it the Dutch the beat what round was that, that the, it's the, the, the anniversary yeah, yeah. yeah when they battered them that was an incredible day and then it was sort of a what could have been with the Germany game in the semi-final yeah, um,
1: yeah. and the Spain game as well nil nil. but then the, the, yeah. the penalty scored by Stuart Pearce which is you know what preceded that and the exorcism you know he just got it all out that day which was just my God, it's it, it's bringing it all back. Just talking about it, um, Leon. We're looking at the players back then as well. Teddy Sheringham aside, he was a cock. Um, <laughs> really, uh, <laughs> quite an iconic lineup there. You know, some really good players there. Really flair players. Players, you know, like a particular favourite of mine, Darren Anderton. Who, if I could get rid of one thing in football, it's people who just say, "Oh, what sick note about Darren Anderton?" Because for one thing, he played far far more than what people give him credit for. Another thing, he was a fantastic player. That was a great team, Won it, in 96?
0: It really was, yeah.
1: And Ince,
0: I really rated Ints for England. Mm. Um, Apart from he did bottle taking that penalty. He mm. did, yeah. The penalty, yeah, he did. That's true, actually. That's a good point. But he was but good, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, Redknapp came into that side as well, who, again, bit of a side pass merchant, but, you He know, got, got injured, didn't he, I think.
1: Yeah. Second game in, I think. Or maybe I first. was in the second game. Yeah, yeah.
0: But no, we had a good side then, and it was solid. I mean, I, I think we've got a much better side now, but obviously football's moved on as well. Mm. I think that, you know, Shearer, that was... Shearer flattered to see for England. People forget that. He was good in that tournament, but he never was as good for England as he was for uh, for Newcastle and Blackburn. Yeah, well, um, that, that
1: goal was... It was his first goal for two years, wasn't it, when he scored in 96? So, yeah.
0: And, you know, by the way... A great summer. Let's not, you know, put a dabner on it. But Holland game aside, we weren't very good. You know, mm, Switzerland. We were, G- G- England were very Germany, 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 Germany. We were good. Yeah. But ultimately, we fell short. But the Holland game was kind of there was nowhere to go from there because mm. it was it was like it was like we beat Germany five one that night. It was a sort of a one off. Yeah. But Spain weren't a great side back then. And we, could, we couldn't do that. So, I'm, listen, I love that team. And I love that summer, as I've said. But we weren't a great side. This side now, because of their performances for their own clubs all around Europe, this side could be a great side if he gets them going, if he picks the right team, and if they get some momentum. I, I think they're far superior to that, that side back in 96.
1: Well... Well, that brings us on to the kind of final question, which is your favorite ever England player um Harry, who would you go for? I
2: had a long think about this because I think what leon said before is 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 right about the younger generation i think especially after euro twenty sixteen when we were knocked out by Iceland, I kind of fell out and fell in love with England and uh, yeah. everyone was kind of everyone kind of felt like no one was no one was asked about what was going on um so I've never really when I was younger had a favorite England player. I always used to just follow the city players for England. Yeah. Um so I would have to say I would have to say Joe Hart um because I think he's one of the most disrespected footballers generally of all time. Um his at his peak he was one of the best if not the best goalkeeper in the world for me. Um, his achievements with, with with club and his ability to hold on to that number one shirt for as long as he did for England, I think was very underrated. Um, and the amount of disrespect he gets now when everyone, anyone mentions his name really upsets me because of how good he was. Um, and it's just sad that he's seen such a sharp decline in not even just performances, because of course he, he had a decline in performances, much like, which I think stemmed from the Iceland game. Um, but just being third choice keeper for Spurs and just not playing football because he is still a top keeper and he was one of my favourites back in the day I I had, a, I had a few but they were mainly City players because as I say i following England was strange because the, there was no excitement around England like there is now um, but you know I was excited to sit down and watch City every weekend so you know even when got an England shirt for, for Christmas back in I think it was a 2010 World Cup I gareth barry on the back of it <laughs> um so yeah so i I'd, i i mean i think sterling's story and what what he's gone through and how he's performing now for england is very inspiring. especially you know the graphic of the what is it like 800 meters from where he grew up to where he scored his first Euro yeah, goal this weekend was, was brilliant yeah. but i'd have to go with joe hark he's one of my favorite city players of all time so i think that translated to england as well that's a great shout mate. Um, and who's your favorite ever england player
0: well, it's been in eras really. Gary Lineker in the eighties. Good shout, yeah. Yeah. And then Gaza in the nineties. I think he got fifty-eight caps, Gaza. He wasn't he was injured a lot and we didn't see the best of him really again. Mm. The two major tournaments we did, thankfully. And then um I did like Paul Lynch as I say for England. And then um in the last few years, obviously anyone who plays for City. Um, because we've become that sort of tribal Nation, but I, that's what I like about this ge- this generation and this panel of players that tribalism's gone. Yeah, they all grew up together, they're all kind of mates, and it might make it more difficult to see them hugging after a game in the Premiership when you support Chelsea or Man City, but I think it benefits England.
1: Just a, a word on that it's because, um, we don't get that in Wales, you know, basically, we do get it's genuinely these small collective of footballers if you're good enough to play for your country you play for your under 16s you play for under 18s and they do all come up through the ranks together and they all know each other whereas for England we have seen in the past these clicks as, as you've alluded to there and when when they talk about it when Rio Ferdinand talks about it or Lampard and they say oh yeah back in the day there used to be United players on one part of the canteen Liverpool players on and, and they just talk about it as like it's so flippantly that you kind of get lulled in and go, oh, right, yeah, so that's how it was. And he's like, no, I've got a minute. You play for your yeah. fucking country. That's a disgrace. You,
0: yeah. you, you spoiled little brats. You know what I mean? But it did make the Premiership better, though, because they were a genuine rivalries. I guess. Well, you know, integrate yeah. just for a. Just for a weekend or two. No, or no, two but Instagram. that's why that team never did well. That's why the golden generation was a load of bollocks.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And, and and who is the one of the most likable players in this England squad, Marcus Rashford, and he plays for Manchester United. We would yeah, never have said exactly. that about Gary Neville or Skulls or that back in the day, would we? We definitely would have said it about Paul Skulls, no. No, no.
1: Um, um, I, I'll, I'll say for my favourite um England player, I would probably go for Gazza. It's a very obvious choice, but I don't I only sit back so a uh, friendly against Czechoslovakia before the World Cup, when there was a lot of talk about you know Gaza missing out, he might not make the, the squad, and he played sensational that night. And I always remember that because I was a kid thinking this guy is a genius. Everyone wants him in the squad. Why on earth might he not be selected for his squad? Um, and yeah, and then he went on to prove the entire country right, and he was and made the entire country proud as well. And then made an the entire country cry. So, yeah, it's got to be Gaza. Mm. <laughs> um, I enjoyed that, lads. Thank you very yeah, much uh, for making it enjoyable for a Welsh win. Thanks,
2: Harry. Yeah, no worries, mate. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Leo. Thanks, Steve. I've got to say, I'm uh, quite envious. I don't get envious of Wales and rugby, even though they're better than us the last <laughs> year But I am quite envious of Wales and the kind of Spirit, they do have, yeah, uh, and uh, mate, that, I, I, that I, goal, oh, that, that I,
1: second goal the night. I've, I've not, I've not celebrated a city goal like that since, since the Guerrero moment, not, not a Champions League semi final goal, not that was off you know, it, the scale. It was
2: amazing, it was amazing. And I was, just... yeah, there's something about Wales, isn't there? It's it's weird, it's just like this. I just knew. I just knew they were going to get that second. I know you, it's different for you, but I just knew <laughs> yeah. it. They were just. They're just all. To, even though they You know, like I watched the first game and they weren't quite clicking, but I just knew the other night. Even when Ramsey was missing them chances, I was just like. They, they, they're going to score they're going to score they've just got I know. I mean when you've got Gareth Bale on your team you know, it's well, pretty much possible when, yeah when
1: you've got Gareth Bale on the team and when you've got a Turkish defence who basically uh, they, they needed megaphones to communicate with each other the spaces available was just <laughs> I've never seen that in, in a major tournament before yeah. from anyone they, they were so poor Turkey but yeah off a of scale. yeah who cares though yeah, we- yes um <laughs> That's a wrap for today, folks. Thank you very much for listening in. Please look around elsewhere on the Night 320 platform. We've got loads of great Euro content and loads of good City content too. Um, But in the meantime, as always, forever up the blues, come on England, come on Scotland.